Section 2 of Library of the World's Best Literature, Ancient and Modern, Volume 11. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Shreya Sethi. Library of the World's Best Literature, Ancient and Modern, Volume 11, Section 2. Paul and Abel by Richard Henry Dana, Sr. From Paul Felton He took a path which led through the fields back of his home and wound among the steep rocks part way up the range of high hills till it reached a small locust grove where it ended. He began climbing a ridge near him and reaching the top of it beheld all around him a scene desolate and broken as the ocean. It looked for miles as if one immense grey rock had been heaved up and shattered by an earthquake. Here and there might be seen shooting out of the clefts old trees like masts at sea. It was as if the sea in a storm had become suddenly fixed with all its ships upon it. The sun shone glaring and hot on it, but there was neither life nor motion nor sound. The spirit of desolation had gone over it and it had become the place of death. His heart sunk within him and something like a superstitious dread entered him. He tried to rouse himself and look about with a composed mind. It was in vain. He felt as if some dreadful unseen power stood near him. He would have spoken, but he dared not in such a place. To shake this off, he began clambering over one ridge after another, till... Passing cautiously round a beetling rock, a sharp cry from it shot through him. Every small jut and precipice sent it back with a satanic taunt, and the crowd of hollows and points seemed for the instant alive with thousands of fiends. Paul's blood ran cold, and he scarcely breathed as he waited for their cry again. But all was still. Though his mind was of a superstitious cast, he had courage and fortitude, and ashamed of his weakness, he reached forward, and stooping down, looked into the cavity. He started as his eye fell on the object within it. Who and what are you? he cried. Come out and let me see whether you are man or devil. And out crawled a miserable boy, looking as if shrunk up with fear and famine. Speak and tell me who you are and what you do here, said Paul. The poor fellow's jaws moved and quivered, but he did not utter a sound. His spare frame shook and his knees knocked against each other as in an ague fit. Paul looked at him for a moment. His loose, shambly frame was nearly bare to the bones. His light, sunburnt hair hung long and straight round his thin jaws and white eyes that shone with a delirious glare as if his mind had been terror-struck. There was a sickly, beseeching smile about his mouth. His skin, between the freckles, was as white as a leper's and his teeth long and yellow. He appeared like one who had witnessed the destruction about him and was the only living thing spared to make death seem more horrible. Who put you here to starve? said Paul to him. Nobody, sir. 
Why did you come then? Oh, I can't help it. I must come. Must? And why must you? The boy looked round timidly and crouching near Paul said in a tremulous low voice, his eyes glancing fearfully through the chasm, Tis he, tis he that makes me. Paul turned suddenly round and saw before him for the first time the deserted track of pine wood and sand which has been described. Who and where is he? asked Paul impatiently, expecting to see someone. There, there, in the wood yonder, answered the boy, crouching still lower and pointing with his finger, whilst his hand shook as if palsied. I see nothing, said Paul. But these pines, what possesses you? Why do you shudder so and look so pale? Do you take the shadows of the trees for devils? Don't speak of them. They'll be on me if you talk of them here, whispered the boy eagerly. Drops of sweat stood on his brow from the agony of terror he was in. As Paul looked at the lad, he felt something like fear creeping over him. He turned his eyes involuntarily to the wood again. If we must not talk here, said he at last, come along with me and tell me what all this means. The boy rose and followed close to Paul. Is it the devil you have seen that you shake so? You have named him. I never must, said the boy. I have seen strange sights and heard sounds whispered close to my ears, so full of spite and so dreadful. I dared not look round, lest I should see some awful face at mine. I thought I felt it touch me sometimes. And what wicked thing have you done, that they should haunt you so? Oh, sir, I was a foolhardy boy. Two years ago, I was not afraid of anything. Nobody dared to go into the wood, or even so much as over the rocks, to look at it after what happened here. I've heard a foolish story, said Paul. So once, sir, the thought took me that I would go, there, a bird's nesting, and bring home the eggs and show to the men. And it would never go out of my mind after, though I began to wish I hadn't thought any such thing. Every night when I went to bed, I would lie and say to myself, Tomorrow is the day for me to go. And I did not like to be alone in the dark and wanted someone with me to touch me when I had bad dreams. And then I waked in the morning, I felt as if something dreadful was coming upon me before night. Well, every day, I don't know how it was, I found myself near this ridge, and every time I went farther and farther up it, though I grew more and more frightened, and when I had gone as far as I dared, I was afraid to wait, but would turn and make a way, so fast that many a time I fell down some of these places and got lamed and bruised. The boys began to think something, and would whisper each other and look at me and when they found i saw them they would turn away it grew hard for me to be one at their games the ones i used to be the first chosen in i can't tell how it was but all this only made me go on and as the boys kept out of the way i began to feel as if i must do what i had thought of and as if there was somebody 
I couldn't think who that was to have me and make me do what he pleased. So it went on, sir, day after day, continued the lad in a weak, timid tone, but comforted at finding one to tell his story to. Till at last I reached as far as the hollow where you just now frighted me so, when I heard you near me. I didn't run off as I used to from the other places, but sat down under the rock. Then I looked out and saw the trees. I tried to get up and run home, but I couldn't. I dared not come out and go round the corner of the rock. I tried to look another way, but my eyes seemed fastened on the trees. I couldn't take them off. At last I thought something told me it was time for me to go on. I got up. Here poor Abel shook so that he seized hold of Paul's arm to help him. Paul recoiled as if an unclean creature touched him. The boy shrunk back. Go on, said Paul, recovering himself. The boy took comfort from the sound of another's voice. I went a little way down the hollow, sir, as if drawn along. Then I came to a steep place. I put my legs over to let myself down. My knees grew so weak I dared not trust myself. I tried to draw them up, but the strength was all gone out of them, and then my feet were as heavy as if made of lead. I gave a screech, and there was a yell close to me, and for miles round that nigh stunned me. I can't say how, but the last thing I knew was my leaping along the rocks, while there was nothing but flames of fire shooting all round me. It was scarce midday when I left home, and when I came to myself under the locusts, it was growing dark. Rest here a while, said Paul, looking at the boy as at some mysterious being, and tell out your story. Glad at being in company, the boy sat down upon the grass and went on with his tale. I crawled home as well as I could and went to bed. When I was falling asleep, I had the same feeling I had when sitting over the rock. I dared not lie in bed any longer, for I couldn't keep awake while there. Glad was I when the day broke, and I saw a neighbor open the door and come out. I was not well all day, and I tried to think myself more ill than I was, because I somehow thought that then I needn't go to the wood. But the next day, he was not to be put off. And I went, though I cried and prayed all the way that I might not be made to go, but I could not stop till I had gone over the hill and reached the sand round the wood. When I put my foot on it, all the joints in me jerked as if they would not hold together, so that I cried out with the pain. When I came under the trees, there was a deep sound, and great shadows were all round me. My hair stood on end, and my eyes kept glimmering, yet I couldn't go back. I went on till I found a crow's nest. I climbed the tree and took out the eggs. The old crow kept flying round and round me. As soon as I felt the eggs in my hand and my work done, I dropped from the tree and ran for the hollow. I can't tell how it was, but it seemed to me that I didn't gain a foot of ground. It was just as if the whole wood went with me. Then I thought he had made me his. The ground began to bend and the trees to move. At last I was nigh blind. I struck against one tree and another till I fell to the ground. 
how long i lay there i can't tell but when i came to i was on the sand the sun blazing hot upon me and my skin scorched up i was so stiff and ached so i could hardly stand upright i didn't feel or think anything after this and hardly knew where i was till somebody came and touched me and asked me whether i was walking in my sleep and i looked up and found myself close to home the boys began to gather around me as if i was something strange and when i looked at them they would move back from me what have you been doing abel one of them asked me at last no good i warrant you answered another who stood back of me and when i turned around to speak to him he drew he drew behind the others as if afraid i should harm him and i was too weak and frightened to hurt a fly see his hands they are stained all over and there's a crow's egg as i'm alive said another and the crow is the devil's bird tom isn't it asked a little boy oh abel you've been to that wood and made yourself over to him they moved off one after another every now and then turning round and looking at me as if i were cursed after this they would not speak to me or come nigh me i heard people talking and saw them going about but not one of them all could i speak to or get to come near me it was dreadful being so alone i met a boy that used to be with me all day long and i begged him not to go off from me so and to stop if it were only for a moment you played with me once said i and won't you do so much as look at me or ask me how i am when i am so weak and ill too he began to hang back a little and i thought from his face that he pitied me i could have cried for joy and was going up to him but he turned away i called out after him telling him that i would not so much as touch him with my finger or come any nearer to him if he would only stop and speak one word to me but he went away shaking his head and muttering something i hardly knew what how that i did not belong to them but was the evil ones now i sat down on a stone and cried and wished that i was dead for i couldn't help it though it was wicked in me to do so and there is no one asked paul who will notice you or speak to you do you live so alone now it made his heart ache to look down upon the pining forlorn creature before him not a soul whined out the boy my grandmother is dead now and only the gentle folks give me anything for they don't seem afraid of me though they look as if they didn't like me and wanted me gone all i can i get to eat in the woods and i beg out of the village but i dare not go far because i don't know when he will want me but i am not alone he's with me day and night as i go along the street in the daytime i feel him near me though i can't see him and it is as if he were speaking to me and yet i don't hear any words he makes me follow him to that wood and i have to sit the whole day where you found me and i dare not complain nor move till i feel he will let me go i've looked at the pines sometimes till i have seen spirits moving all through them oh it is an awful place they breathe cold upon me when he makes me go there poor wretch 
said Paul. I'm weak and hungry and yet when I try to eat something chokes me. I don't love what I eat. Come along with me and you shall have something to nourish and warm you. For you are pale and shiver and look cold here in the very sun. The boy looked up at Paul and the tears rolled down his cheeks at hearing one speak so kindly to him. He got up and followed meekly after to the house. Paul, seeing a servant in the yard, ordered the boy something to eat. The man cast his eye upon Abel and then looked at Paul as if he had not understood him. I spoke distinctly enough, said Paul, and don't you see that the boy is nigh starved? The man gave a mysterious look at both of them and with a shake of his head as he turned away, went to do as he was bid. What means the fellow, said Paul to himself as he entered the house? Does he take me to be bound to Satan too? Yet there may be bonds upon the soul, though we know it not, and evil spirits at work within us, of which we little dream. And are there no beings but those seen of mortal eye or felt by mortal touch? Are there not passing in and around this piece of moving mould, in which the spirit is pent up, those whom it hears not, those whom it has no finer sense whereby to commune with, are all the instant joys that come and go, we know not whence or whither, but creations of the mind? Or are they not rather bright and heavenly messengers, whom when the spirit is set free, it will see in all their beauty, whose sweet sounds it will then drink in? Yes, it is, it is so, and all around us, is populous with beings now invisible to us as this circling air. The moon was down, and the sky overcast when they began to wind among the rocks. Though Paul's walks had lain of late in this direction, he was not enough acquainted with the passage to find his way through it in the dark. Abel, who had traversed it often in the night alone and in terror, now took heart at having someone with him at such an hour, and offered unhesitatingly to lead. The boy winds round those crags with the speed and ease of a steam, said Paul. Not so fast, Abel. Take hold of the root which shoots out over your head, sir, for tis ticklish work getting along just here. Do you feel it, sir? I have hold, said Paul. Let yourself gently down by it, sir. You needn't be a bit afraid, for it will not give way. Man couldn't have fastened it stronger. This was the first time Abel had felt his power, or had been of consequence to anyone since the boys had turned him out from their games, and it gave him a momentary activity and an unsettled sort of spirit, which he had never known since then. He had been shunned and abhorred, and he believed himself the victim of some demonic power. To have another in this fearful bondage with him, as Paul had intimated, was a relief from his dreadful solitariness in his terrors and sufferings. And he said that it was I who was to work a curse on him, muttered Abel. It cannot be, surely, that such a thing as I am can harm a man like him. And though Abel remembered Paul's kindness, and that this was to seal his own doom too, Yet it stirred the spirit of pride within him. What are you muttering to yourself there in the dark? demanded Paul. Or whom talk you with? 
you withered wretch. Abel shook in every joint at the sound of Paul's harsh voice. It is so dreadfully still here, said Abel. I hear nothing but your steps behind me, and they make me start. This was true, for notwithstanding his touch of instant pride, his terrors and his fear of Paul were as great as ever. Speak louder then, said Paul, or hold your peace. I like not your muttering, it bodes no good. It may bring a curse to you, worse than that on me, if a worse can be, said Abel to himself, but who can help it? Day broke before they cleared the ridge. A drizzling rain came on, and the wind, beginning to rise, drove through the crevices in the rocks with sharp whistling sounds which seemed to come from malignant spirits of the air. They had scarcely entered the wood when the storm became furious, and the trees, swaying and beating with their branches against one another, seemed possessed of a supernatural madness and engaged in wild conflict as if there were life and passion in them, and their broken decayed arms groaned like things in torment. The terror of these sights and sounds was too much for poor Abel. It nearly crazed him, and he set up a shriek that for a moment drowned the noise of the storm. It startled Paul, and when he looked at him, the boy's face was of a ghostly whiteness. The rain had drenched him to the skin, his clothes clung to his lean body that shook as if it would come apart. His eyes flew wildly and his teeth chattered against each other. The fears and torture of his mind gave something unearthly to his look and that made Paul start back. Abel, boy, fiend, speak, what has seized you? They told me so, cried Abel. I've done it. I led the way for you. They're coming, they're coming, we're lost. Peace, fool, said Paul, trying to shake off the power he felt able gaining over him, and find us a shelter if you can. There's only the hut, said Abel, and I wouldn't go into that if it rained fire. And why not? I once felt that it was for me to go, and I went so near as to see in at the door, and I saw something in the hut, it was not a man, for it flitted by the opening just like a shadow, and I heard two muttering something to one another. It wasn't like other sounds, for as soon as I heard it, it made me stop my ears. I couldn't stay any longer, and I ran till I cleared the wood. Oh, tis his binding place when he comes to the wood. And is it of his own building? asked Paul sarcastically. No, answered Abel. "'Twas built by the two woodcutters, and one of them came to a bloody end, "'and they say the other died the same night, foaming at the mouth like one possessed. "'There it is,' he said, almost breathless as he crouched down and pointed at the hut under the trees. "'Do not go, sir,' he said, catching hold of the skirts of Paul's coat. "'I've never dared go nigher since.' "'Let loose, boy,' cried Paul striking abel's hand from his coat i'll not be fooled with abel alarmed at being left alone crawled after paul as far as he dared go then taking hold of him once more made a supplicating motion to him to stop he was afraid to speak paul pushed on without regarding him the hut stood on the edge of a sand bank 
that was kept up by a large pine whose roots and fibers lying partly bare looked like some giant spider that had half buried itself in the sand on the right of the hut was a patch of broken ground in which were still standing a few straggling dried stalks of indian corn and from two dead trees hung knotted pieces of broken line which had formerly served for a clothesline the hut was built of half-trimmed trunks of trees laid on each other crossing at the four corners and running out at unequal lengths the chinks partly filled in with sods and moss the door which lay on the floor was of twisted boughs and the roof of the same was caved in and but partly kept out the sun and rain as paul drew near the entrance he stopped though the wind just then came in a heavy gust and the rain fell like a flood it was not a dread of what he might see within but it seemed to him that there was a spell round him drawing him nearer and nearer to its centre and he felt the hand of some invisible power upon him as he stepped into the hut a chill ran over him and his eyes shut involuntarily abel watched him eagerly as he saw him enter tossed his arms wildly shouting gone gone they'll have me too they're coming they're coming and threw himself on his face to the ground driven from home by his maddening passions a perverse delight in self-torture had taken possession of paul and his mind so hungered for more intense excitement that it craved to prove true all which its jealousy and superstition had imaged he had walked on lost in this fearful riot but with no particular object in view and taking only a kind of crazed joy in his bewildered state esther's love for him which he at times thought past doubt feigned the darkness of the night and then the driving storm with its confused motions and sounds made an uproar of the mind which drove out all settled purpose or thought the stillness of the place into which he had now entered where was heard nothing but the slow regular dripping of the rain from the broken roof upon the hard trod floor the lowered and distant sound of the storm without the sudden change from the whirl and swing of the trees to the steady walls of the building put a sudden stop to the violent working of his brain and he gradually fell into a stupor when abel began to recover he could scarcely raise himself from the ground he looked round but could see nothing of paul they have bound us together said he and something is drawing me toward him there is no help for me i must go whither he goes as he was drawn nearer and nearer to the hut he seemed to struggle and hang back as if pushed on against his will at last he reached the doorway and clinging to its side with a desperate hold as if not to be forced in put his head forward a little casting a hasty glance into the building there he is and alive breathed out abel paul's stupor was now beginning to leave him his recollection was returning and what had passed came back slowly and at intervals there was something he had said to esther before leaving home he could not tell what then his gazing after her as she drove from the house then something of abel and he sprang from his ground as if he felt the boy's touch again about his knees then the ballroom 
and a multitude of voices and all talking of his wife suddenly she appeared darting by him and frank was there then came his agony and tortures again all returned upon him as in the confusion of some horrible trance then the hut seemed to enlarge and the walls to rock and shadows of those he knew and of terrible beings he had never seen before were flitting round him and mocking at him his own substantial form seemed to him undergoing a change and taking the shape and substance of the accursed ones at which he looked as he felt the change going on he tried to utter a cry but he could not make a sound nor move a limb the ground under him rocked and pitched it grew darker and darker till everything was visionary and he thought himself surrounded by spirits and in the mansions of the damned something like a deep black cloud began to gather gradually round him the gigantic structure with its tall terrific arches turned slowly into darkness and the spirits within disappeared one after another till at the ends of the cloud met and closed he saw the last of them looking at him with an infernal laugh in his undefined visage abel continued watching him in speechless agony paul's consciousness was now leaving him his head began to swim he reeled and at his hand swept down the side of the hut while trying to save himself it stuck against a rusty knife that had been left sticking loosely between the logs let go let go shrieked abel there's blood on it tis cursed tis cursed as paul swung round with the knife in his hand abel sprang from the door with a shrill cry and paul sank on the floor muttering to himself what said they when he began to come to himself a little he was still sitting on the ground his back against the wall his senses were yet confused he thought he saw his wife near him and a bloody knife by his side after sitting a little longer his mind gradually grew clearer and at last he felt for the first time that his hand held something as his eye fell on it and he saw distinctly what it was he leaped upright with a savage yell and dashed the knife from him as if it had been an asp stinging him he stood with his bloodshot eyes fastened on it his hands spread and his body shrunk with horror forged in hell and for me for me he screamed as he sprang forward and seized it with a convulsive grasp damned pledge of the league that binds us he cried holding it up and glaring wildly at it and yet a voice did warn me of what i know not which of ye put it in this hand speak let me look on you do ye hear me and will not answer nay nay what needs it this tells me though it speaks not i know your promptings now he said folding his arms deliberately your work must be done and i am doomed to it end of section 2 recording by shreya sethi